2: hello and good evening welcome to another edition of alex mccarthy's wrestling daily right here on the wrestling daily youtube channel as you can see i am being flanked by miss dynamite herself steph chase is in the place i'm
1: so excited to have you back alex it's been two weeks
2: i know i hear ben o did a sterling job in my absence
1: he did indeed that it was really fun to have him on but you have been avoiding me for two weeks so
2: listen this is alex mccarthy's wrestling daily it takes a lot to tear me away steph it (laughs) tore tore me up that i couldn't be here on thursdays uh but yes two weeks in a row unfortunately i did have to dip out i believe i had a bad back the first time
1: yeah you thought you of a child
2: (laughs) seriously it was bad it was really bad i was meant to be in london the next day and i was like i'm just not coming i'm not I can't get out of bed. Um, And last week, I had a a work thing for TalkSport. First time in ages. So that was quite nice to get out and about and have a drink in London. But nonetheless, I'm back where I belong on a Thursday night with Steph Chase following up a tremendous dynamite. And the titular news looks like WWE, for some reason, have a hard time. Tying people down to contracts. Why are they letting them run so low? We're going to get into it very, very shortly. Uh, First things first, I was saying this on yesterday's show. We want more Ultra Chats, guys. I miss that. That's one of my favorite parts of the show. Maybe I don't ask for them enough, but I would love to get some hot takes from you guys today. Steph Chase is the Ultra chat Queen and Hot Take Machine.
3: So Mm -hmm. if there was
2: ever a day to do it, it would be today. Uh, So make sure you get your opinions into us. WrestleTalk.com forward slash wrestling daily uh also you can become a member there's normally a little thing at the beginning of the video and to the side of the video on youtube you can join all of the good eggs that are wrestling daily members i can see uh Stephen h who is Gatecrasher forever once upon a time as he tells you uh there you go he's got the symbol next to his name because why because he's a good egg he's part of the good egg family you can be that Two, uh, also, Steph, while we're here at the top of the show, what can yeah. people expect from your YouTube channel this week in the wonderful world of Steph Chase?
1: Uh, well, you can expect uh, my AW weekly show tomorrow at 6 p.m. Always lots to talk about. It's been there, it's really weird being here with you, Alex, because so much has happened in the world of wrestling and none of it we've got to talk about, <laughs> like me and you together. Uh, but nice. yeah, um, another AEW weekly show tomorrow and I shall then early next week have an interview up, um, so stay tuned for that. And yeah, I'm I'm just so busy right now. Like every weekend I'm working at Rev Pros, I'm on the road as well.
2: I so see that,
1: yeah. It's quite, it's, it is quite the time to be staff, Jess.
2: <laughs> how was that going? Being on the road with RevPro and stuff. How, how much are you enjoying that?
1: I'm enjoying that so much. Um, last week's last weekend show was an easy travel because it was in London, but ah. that was great. And um, I got out there and got to to welcome the crowd to the show um like it's like my first time being in front of you know a big crowd like in the middle of the ring <laughs> uh, were you were
2: you were you crapping yourself beforehand
1: no actually i kind of i i didn't have enough time to overthink it so it's <laughs> like yeah, i'll i'll go hype everyone up that's fine um so that was really really fun and then i'm in southampton on sunday And then there is next weekend, the weekend after that, it's back in London and the venue in London is really great. It's not the cockpit. It's called Venue 229. Um, Really, really good. It's near, um, oh, uh, it's central near, um, not Warren Street, Great Portland Street Station, like right by the station. Really good. And then we have the uh, nine year anniversary show in Manchester um, on Summer Sunday, which is going to be awesome.
2: So yeah, Look at, Look like, at Steph it? Chase on the road. Look at you. On the huh? road. I know.
1: I've got to start vlogging like, you know, like I'm Sammy
2: Cabarro or something. Or Ethan Page, you know, eat a lot of stuff. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's a good vlog. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. Glad to see that you're out and about doing some good stuff. Uh, I have, as I mentioned yesterday, an AEW interview this Friday with Ricky Starks, which I'm excited about. Um, I've also got uh, two that I'm dropping this week. One dropped today with Jordan Grace, which is cool. Really? I think it's the first time she's really spoken about her contract situation, which I'm going to play for you guys in a second. And the other one is with Jake Atlas, who
3: awesome. has a really,
2: yeah, very cool. He has a really interesting story for those of you who don't know. Like, it was always his goal to be, like, the first openly gay signed superstar to WWE It's, like, pretty crazy. He told Stephanie McMahon this, like, years ago during an undercover boss thing. He goes on to be signed by WWE, and we were talking about, you know, I think he was at a PWG show. And who was it who scouted him? Wasn't Regal. Ah, it's going to bug me. He only told me yesterday. Uh, But anyway, it was a very good story about how he got there, and then, you know, he's at the Performance Center doing extra stuff with Roderick Strong every week, which I thought was cool. had no Mm. idea that Roddy was like this slash coach guy at the PC. So exactly. I could too. I could too. So uh, I thought that was very cool. And uh, that will be dropping Sunday. Jordan Grace has dropped today. And here's a little teaser for you guys to make your way over to talk sport when you get the time to uh, read the rest. The thing I want to start on with impact, right, is you signing your new deal this year. Uh, it was obviously much talked about. Jordan Grace is going to be a free agent. Everyone was, uh, the rumor mill was going into overdrive. And ultimately you re-upped with impact. Um, just talk me through that decision, basically.
0: Um, man, impact is is really the best place for me. I do not do well right now, at least with like a super heavy schedule. And I feel like that's pretty much every other wrestling company that I could have signed with realistically, like WWE uh, training constantly shows. Mm-hmm. feel like that's, that's like a 24 seven job at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, AEW they're, they're on the road on a weekly basis. Um, I know that they sometimes feel dark well into the night, you know, two, 3.00 AM, something like that. So I just felt like impact would let me, do powerlifting, so it's allowed me to do that it's a much lighter schedule it's once it's been once a month um and i also do like uh i do a part-time job doing like transcribing work so i can do that too
2: <laughs> i need i need you for this
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right
2: wow so yeah so i see um with the major play then was more of your lifestyle right the for you and and you've been able to pursue other things and probably not overload yourself was it just a case of that impact felt like the right place for you to be right
1: now
0: yeah i definitely think that's it i don't think i'm i'm willing to to sacrifice like you know 100 percent of the other stuff i do in my regular life right now maybe one day who knows but just not yeah,
2: today. maybe one day interesting right
0: i mean
1: wow i mean who would like put themselves through that that's the worst part
2: <laughs> i know that's what that's what the, literally the part i hate about this job the most is transcribing the interviews literally yeah. i know jordan, jordan grace is out there willingly doing that stuff wow. um
0: that
1: blows my mind
2: <laughs> exactly uh you get paid for that god damn it uh i must say uh I remember seeing that Jordan Grace has said in the past that WWE was her goal as a youngster. Um and then I know that there was speculation AEW was the rumor, um all of that good stuff. And when her contract was coming up, you know, she's it's crazy to think she's still like 25. Yeah. Um and I was just thinking, you know, she's pretty much the hottest property you could argue in North America anyway, outside of AEW. And mm-hmm. WWE. I know Dionna Perazzo is you know doing amazing now, but I mean someone who hasn't been to one of the other places yeah. yet. Um, and I was surprised to see a re-up at the time, but I didn't realize they only film once a month. Like oh, that's good. What a schedule. <laughs> like I, I I know the money isn't like comparable to AW and WWE, but it's obviously still good money. Um yeah. and wow, like that's that's pretty hard to say. You know, wow! Just doing that once a month, like she had, like she was saying, she had all the time off to do the powerlifting and stuff that she just did Mm -hmm. the other weekend as well. That—that's something I hadn't thought about, Steph. The impact has a bit of a pull, I guess, once a month.
1: Yeah, I guess with all that free time, maybe you would just start transcribing, (laughs) eh?
2: Yeah, I've got a ton of jobs for her if she wants them. (laughs) Yeah, Um, me (laughs) too. But but also like, I would say with Steph like she is twenty five so it actually isn't a bad move for her to do that no. at this stage. Um, and then the options are going to be there for her still, right?
1: Yeah, and Impact has such a great women's division. I think especially if you're a woman, Impact's really the place to be because they feature so many women. They give women storylines like, outside of the the title picture, which is really cool. So I think it is the best place, especially if you're a young woman, you know, to learn and, and grow. And I think she's made a really good choice.
2: Yeah, I do, too. Um, And I I do still think she has an insanely bright future. I will tell you one thing she said, Steph, um, Mm -hmm. that she was frustrated with how The Forbidden Door seemingly only extends to men. Um, She was not shy about saying how she felt on that one, saying that she was really excited at the beginning. But her and a lot of the other women have kind of got a bit like what's the deal? Like nothing seems to be happening for us. And there are a lot of matches that are right there that we're all like, wow, that would be amazing. Um, I can certainly understand why they're frustrated, Steph.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, I feel like when I talked to Deanna, she kind of felt the same, that she really wants a match with Britt Baker. And with with everything we've seen, like on this Dynamite, you know, we had the NWA women's title heavily featured there with an actual Eliminator match for the championship and Camille appearing. It is unfortunate that they they don't seem to extend that forbidden door because I, like a Britt Baker running on Impact to Diana Prazo or the other way round would be really, really cool. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's just somewhere that they've not got to yet. And I just kind of wonder why.
2: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't make that much sense when you think about it. Like, because because uh, Jordan was speculating, like, oh, I think it's politics. Like, they don't know who would win, and you know where we would go yeah. with all these different stories. And mm-hmm. think, they, well, they've worked they worked it out for everyone else. Tags yeah. the men. Why can't you work it out for the ladies? I, was, I think it'd be very cool. But alas, we digress. Uh, anyway. Let's get into the titular news, because I do want to talk about Dynamite. And before we do that, I feel like this news about Pete Dunne will lead us into the other news that you and I haven't had a chance to talk about, the guys who may be coming in. So let's start with this. Fightful say that Pete Dunne, his contract, much like Adam Cole's, is heading towards its expiry. Um, Now, I'm not totally sure... What the exact date is, if I actually get the report up at the moment, it just says that his contract is also up soon. One source also pointing after SummerSlam weekend, though we haven't confirmed the date we've done or WWE as of yet. I actually sent the report to Pete and said, you know, because I, before I run it on Talksport or anything, not to doubt Sean or anybody else. But if you can get it from the horse's mouth, you always should. Um, and I just said, is there anything in this? And he has not got back to me yet, unsurprisingly. So um, we'll have to, you know, I'll keep everyone posted as and when that does happen. But what, why are WWE letting people wind down their contracts so close? I mean, I guess there's a difference between letting and it happening because people won't resign. What do we think the deal is with Pete Dunn? Because he screamed to me, WWE guy.
1: I would have said up until a year ago that he was WWE guy. Up until just over a year ago, I would have said that he's in the Seth Rollins, Kool-Aid drinking mode. Ah. Uh, I, think, I think a lot has changed in that year um, to do with wrestling and, and other things. And now when I hear like Pete Dunn is about to be his contract's about to end. I can see him him leaving for sure. Um, I think that Pete Dunne is a really good example of the failures of WWE's system with both NXT and NXT UK. Because I think when he was first brought into the company, he was just seen and treated as such a great young prospect. And they ended up doing things with him over in the UK that I don't think ever increased his star power properly outside of over here and then i think they kept him in nxt too long and i think he's he's kind of just a casualty of that system whereas he came in so strong and he was so impressive and buzzworthy he should have been up on that main roster at some point and you know we're here in 2021 and he's still down in nxt and maybe he's looking at that as well i'm thinking you know i've had my time in wwe and I, my ceiling has been hit
3: because, mm.
2: he, I mean, I understand that, that he was, you know, you look at the British indie scene, I understand why they had him so close to the NXT UK brand. I get that. And him helping it grow to begin with. And I actually thought him passing it off to Volta, perfect, right? And I think in an ideal world, when the pandemic doesn't happen, because this is where it gets complicated for Pete. I know that just before the pandemic, I'd spoke mm. to him in Houston at the Rumble. And he was saying that WWE were working on a visa for him and his family yeah. at that point, right? The pandemic happens. And obviously, that kind of puts the brakes on everything. And he was back in Birmingham uh, or Coventry, wherever he lives, I'm not sure, the Midlands, um, during the pandemic. And again, he was kind of off TV, right? Like, I know he went away and got Hench, but he wasn't, uh, you know, but he wasn't working like he should have been in NXT and making the steps yeah. that he should have made. Because after he did the Tyler Bate match is what woke American audiences up like, whoa, in Chicago. That was like an all-time NXT classic. And you look at what he then did with Volta. From that point, it's either kind of push him onto the you know the higher echelons of NXT and then the main roster, or just go to the main roster. And they've kind of just stalled with him. Um, yeah. I, I just all those things that I factor in there, like WWE helping his family get over there. And I just know that he was quite close with William Regal and triple H, but at the same time, and I made this point on Twitter earlier, I think in any promotion in the world, Pete Dunn is one of your best workers. I, I think he's that good as a technician in ring storyteller. I know people don't think he screams charisma on the microphone and stuff, and that's not his strongest suit,
0: no. but I
2: think inside the ropes it's, he's undeniably great. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just alluded to it, Steph. What do WWE on the main roster do with Pete Dunn? I don't see them looking at him thinking, this is a guy who's a uh, quality bout machine who we can have in there doing technical masterclasses, you know, a la Daniel Bryan. And, he, and to me, he is that mold. But I, I, I don't know if you would trust Vincent Mann to see that for Pete Dunn.
1: Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> like, absolutely not you know if Pete Dunn's not going to ever get pushed on the main roster um, that's never going to happen for him uh, it's whether or not he how, how much he cares about that like what his own personal goals are or how much he's willing to realize and wake up to that and um, you know ignore the the WWE name as such of like mm. the idea of being a WWE wrestler and working for WWE like it's how much he's done with that and what his own personal goals are. You know, he's... He'd work so good in a G1 tournament. You've got to oh. wonder if want to do something like that as well. And an AEW could give him the path to do that, for sure.
2: I, I think that's the thing. Like, he's so entrenched with... Any, well, I thought he was, anyway, with WWE. Like, he's been producing in NXT UK. And, you know, he's so kind of in yeah. WWE yeah. that I just... You know, this news took me by surprise, to be honest. Um, and... What he does next, and I see Benno actually popping up in the comments. Um, he is only 27, like people forget this. Like yeah. him and Tyler Bate, they've been resting since they were like you know mid teenagers, they feel like they've been around forever, but they still have the time. Um, I, I would imagine, and I know Benno's joking at the end here, so he'll definitely sign back with WD. I, I if I had to lay money, I would say that that is what he would do, but yeah. at the same time and I keep making this argument for AEW, you know, like we were talking about this on the show of SP3 yesterday, like how much great talent can they have before it's like too much? And I don't really subscribe. I mean, I'm not sure I subscribe to the idea that, you know, for instance, if uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, and let's say Adam Cole are all available, you don't not pick up CM Punk, Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole. Pete Pete Dunne obviously isn't the name that those three are. But in my opinion, he is the worker that they are. So again, do AW look at it and go, ah, do we not take Pete Dunne? You know, when does it end? It's a difficult one, right?
1: that there's so many great people to sign up and they have such a great roster anyway it's yeah like i'm watching dynamite and i'm thinking if they never sign anyone again like i love so many people on the this show and want to watch so many people on the show but i i think that the tide is really turning though and and i'm that's not me saying like aw are going to overtake wwe like next week to be the biggest wrestling company but i think the tide is turning within wrestlers and within um how wrestlers think about WWE I I think it really, really does I think that they've kind of in a way been showing that the Emperor like has no clothes because the dream the dream of a WrestleMania moment the dream of the WrestleMania main event all of this is actually not that obtainable for for many people and it actually seems like something that you can't control that much Whereas in another company, they may get the chance to, you know, if you work the hardest, you put on the best performances, you connect much, the most, you can reach the highest heights, but the ceiling in WWE for a lot of people, not just to Pete Dunne, people that are bigger than Pete Dunne, better talkers than Pete Dunne, you know, the ceiling for all of them is is very low.
2: Yeah, yes, I uh, again I don't think Pete Dunn would be short of places to work if he left WWE. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like reaching his potential, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Like, I I, I could see, and I, I think I saw somebody say this in the chat not long ago. I want to say it was Elliot Fletcher. Pete Dunn could plausibly take the title from Samoa Joe. Like, if I was to map out, and I know we've done this for AW a million times with Adam Page and MJF and whoever else, Wardlow, um, but like. If if I was to say, okay, Karrion Cross is going to drop the title to Samoa Joe,
0: yeah.
2: probably, because he's main roster bound, I actually think Pete Dunne would be an excellent choice to then defrone Samoa Joe. Not immediately, but at some stage. Um, again, he has to be there to do it. Um, you know, you take Pete Dunne and Adam Cole out of NXT, yeah. and Pete Dunne is, like, in central storylines right now, where he's, you know, just formed this stable, and they're calling people out, which presumably is going somewhere for TakeOver 36. What what do you do? Like, what does NXT look like if you take them away? Um, I, it's, I feel like WWE is reaching... I don't think you're too far off, Steph. Like, the tide in terms of, like, the perception... Yes. ...where once upon a time, you know, it was like, I have to get to WWE. I need to get on WrestleMania one day. Like, that was kind of like the crusade for so many wrestlers. Whereas I think now, the actions are speaking louder than words. People are letting themselves... You know, whether they want to leave WWE or not... It's smart to get leverage. Let's be honest. Pete Dunn and Adam Cole, if they even do stay, they're doing the right thing because they're never going to get paid more money than right now. Um, in terms of someone like Punk and Daniel Bryan and many others who have made the move, you know, there's a lot of case studies. Not even just Miro and Malachi Black, like even a Ty Conti or someone like that. There's a lot of case studies of people that have left WWE and loving life. Yeah. in AEW and it's like comparable money to what you're making in NXT and like you know if you're not the tippy top in WWE the schedule's lighter you can do more of your passion projects i've said this a few times i just feel like with within the industry the actions are speaking and it's kind of reflective on the products that we've got in front of us today. And that's before you even get into what Jericho said to Inside the Ropes the other day about, okay, well, what about the next TV deals, right? What about the next time where the the ratings are actually very close, the demo, AW probably even winning. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're getting the billion dollar deals. Well, what does that then look like? It's, I think it's fascinating how it's going to play out. But at the moment, if, if AW, if they didn't add anyone, they're still heading in a great trajectory. Yeah. But the prospect of punk, Brian, and possibly Cole is insane <laughs> to think about.
1: I think once even punk alone, once punk comes in, the change is going to be huge. Um, I think he's gonna do huge things for W for AEW. I really do. I think that WWE are making some really bad decisions. Maybe, should I talk about, because I didn't get a chance to talk about this anywhere, should we talk about my feelings on Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, being released?
2: Talk about it, Steph. That's what you're yeah. here to do.
1: So we all know that I didn't like The Fiend uh, character. We do, uh, yeah. That, that was properly stated. Bray Wyatt being released, I think, is the one of if not the biggest mistakes that wwe has made in the past like couple of months if not like year i think it's a bigger mistake than the release of anyone else i think that the fiend had the fiend had such a passionate fan base people that really like truly invested in in that character and they invest in a lot of other wwe things but like what he he managed to connect to people that really thought this character was was something great, and that they were telling this very very important story. And if you didn't like the fiend, you know they really felt like there was something that you weren't getting because they were connecting to it so strong, mm-hmm. and they had such belief in him that and such they were so you know behind WWE because they had him, yeah. and to just release him for whatever reason whether it be budget cuts or if he if it turns out that he behind the scenes was not getting on with Vince in terms of how his creative vision was being put on TV for him to leave you have left those people like that is a slap in the face to those people that were so invested and they were some of the most hardcore WWE fans left so I think that that news of him being released that took a whole section of your audience your audience that were so loyal to you um particularly because of this character because they were so invested and connected to this character you've now just shown them that every everyone is expendable and when they had the feeling that this big great storyline was being told and maybe you know maybe it was but at the end of the day it never came to a conclusion it was never able to because he's gone now a mm-hmm. lot of those people are going to be sitting thinking should I even bother investing in anything else because they can just take that away from me and I think that it's a really bad move for them I think that they've pissed off the wrong people the people that they really need it to be behind this company you know it's I I just I thought it was shocking that they released him but I think it's a move that's really going to come back and bite them and if he goes to AEW let's say those people that were so invested in the fiend they, they love that man and they're going to turn over and watch him. And then you've ended up converting some of your most hardcore WWE fans to be AEW fans.
2: Yeah, I think um, you said it perfectly when you talk about the passionate fan base that The Fiend yeah. had. And I'm not going to go into the whole Ronda Rousey thing too much because we did yesterday. But one of the things that I took exception with that, apart from the fact it was a massive blanket statement, Um, was talking about the fans maybe not caring for Bray Wyatt. Upton Overdale makes the point here, and it's true. Bray Wyatt, right, and this is how passionate people were about the Fiend character. That was like the top merchandise seller in 2020.
1: So so much merchandise, and it was people. It was merchandise that people were making investment in. Like I I was saying to my friend, when I was uh, 12, I went to America for the first time. I made my mum buy me so much Undertaker stuff, like so (laughs) much. But the thing is now, like however many years later, it's like all that stuff is still relevant because the, the Undertaker lasted as a character. Leg- and got a legacy.
2: Suggest-
1: he has a legacy, and I can bring out all this stuff. Like I've got this weird thing you hang on the wall where his eyes follow you, and it's like that's the under like he's become an iconic iconic character. Like a you know not to the extent of like a Spider Man, but something that people know and that has lasted. Yeah. If you're sitting in a in a house filled with fiend uh, merchandise that you've spent a lot of, of money on because he sold so much for this guy just to be thrown out in the trash, I I, I don't think you're going to be feeling very positive towards WWE no matter what they could do in the future.
2: Yeah, some of those belts were hella expensive. Um I mean, you up
1: like a belts, and all made for him. It's I know. Yeah,
2: and that's the that's the thing. I mean, I I I I, I said this a few times. I feel like maybe there are some underlying motives behind this release that we're not privy to you know he's only been on tv a couple of times this year um could that all be That can't all be down to creative there has to be something that we don't know maybe budget cuts ah i don't know we can only go on what we're told at face value of course um and either way you chop it up i don't think it's been handled very well um yeah. and man i just want to see bray white back somewhere killing it because the guy's got too much to give in my opinion
1: and if it's just the last thing i'll say like if if it's budget cuts and if it's a case of nick can looking at a spreadsheet and saying who we can cut and whatever because nick can is like brought in to get the best tv deals and to make the business most profitable like stock price whatever um and you know people of course have talked up nick can so much and he's done great things in other sports but i think that We're going to get to the point where if this is what he's doing, if he's just a a numbers guy and not taking into account things about the fans, like Mm. short term, he might do a good job. But I think he's actually going to be really detrimental to the company in the in the long term. And maybe we'll see that when we get to the TV deals, as as Jericho said, and the ratings increase and and stuff like that. Because if you're just cutting people to save money, um that just doesn't work. You have to take into account like merchandise they're selling and who the fans actually like because you know like this guy could look at a spreadsheet tomorrow and turn around and say like we should cut roman reigns you know like he he has to take more of an understanding of the actual wrestling business and vince just seems to be like letting this guy you know come in and and do do whatever like be his kind of um you know know all all figure that he's putting faith in and Know, I'm the a, funny I'm thing. I put more faith in Triple
2: H. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, you, you're right, though. Like, and I've always found this with the wrestling business that you know, you do have to understand, and I think that's where Tony Khan really thrives, to be honest, because yeah. he is that that's what he is at heart. But, um, you know, funny, I, I was told by somebody who uh works for WWE in a very high position that Vince fell in love with um Nick Khan. Sorry, the Khans oh. were swirling in my mind for a second there. Nick Khan, not Tony Khan. I don't think Vince is in love with Tony Khan at all. Um, he fell in love with Nick Khan because Nick Khan was a guy that made the Tyson Fury deal happen. I don't know yeah. how, I don't know how much common knowledge that is to some people, but he was the guy that made that Saudi Arabian thing, you know, for, for better or worse, <laughs> made that happen um, and brought him into the Fox premiere and all that stuff. That's how the ball got rolling on Nick Khan and Vince McMahon. And then from there, I mean, he's he's again. We've seen what he's done in terms of getting rid of talent, but Adnan Verk was his idea as well because, as we do know, Nick Khan was a sports agent and yeah. he was like, you know, he's he's kind of going, oh, what about this guy? I know this guy. To be fair, he's brought in Jimmy Smith as well, who actually is doing a lot better than Adnan Verk is. But uh, again, it just shows you how much kind of autonomy. Vincent Mann has given or delegated, which is unheard of, basically, in in his WWE tenure. Um, And I honestly don't know what that says about Vincent Mann in this, like, iteration, because I think, and I've said this before, I feel like he's so invested in everything else that goes on in WWE and the business side of it. He actually pays precious little attention to the product side of it. Until, until, like, game day, basically. He turns up at the show and he's like, what, what are we doing? And Nick Khan can't help him there. So yeah. it's, uh, it that I don't know. There's a lot of I've said again, it, the WWE infrastructure is a very perplexing thing. Um, as John Moxley has told us before, let's talk dynamite, shall we? Yes, time is ticking away, damn it. And I want to talk dynamite. Uh, there's a, can a lot. Say,
1: can I just say, firstly, just because I saw it in, in, in the chat, like, yeah. Um, I haven't had a chance to say anything about the Max Caster situation. I, of course, don't uh, support what Max Caster said during his rap, especially about uh, like what he said about Simone Biles. And I do fully support Simone Biles. And, you know, for someone, just, I, I can't even see back to what someone said in the chat, but something like that, I don't care about mental health or something. Uh, you know, One, you don't know me at all, so please don't ever say something like that about me again. Max Caster's rap, I do not support at all i can't believe that got on tv tony Cannon said he'll now be editing dark and it won't happen again we'll see if something does happen again it's you know it was one of those things like i heard that being like that video going around days before so i still don't know how it made you know the air from the people that were in the arena so i just wanted to put out that i do not support max caster's rap or yeah. you know anything like that and i can absolutely criticize when something wrong is done and max caster should have never ever said that
2: that's a very strange take from whoever said that but um Fair. what a, what i will say yeah we did a whole thing me and sp3 yesterday on it which is I mean, we hadn't got to aw yet so i hadn't had the chance to really ask steph but i'm glad that you've had the chance to have your say um because again we 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 had a very similar take yesterday that you know, mental health is not something to to garner heel heat about in 2021. So um, let's hope he learns. That's what I hope. He just learns from his mistakes, yeah. as do AEW, because they had six days to know that was not a good thing to say. They should they shouldn't have needed the internet to tell them. But there you go. Um, moving forward onto Dynamite. Remember, guys, at this point, Steph and I would love to have your say on the show with the ultra chat. So, wrestle talk forward slash wrestling daily hit us up let us know what you guys are thinking about dynamite the rumored contracts the free agents anything you want to talk about in wrestling steph and i would love to have your say um so we will start with dynamite i know we typically do it chronologically and i feel like that's kind of probably the right thing to do because it's jericho and juventud guerrera in the uh third labor of jericho uh i will say before i throw it to you the first like minute or two of this match is bad like it, it is bad like if you watch it um like they're obviously not on the same page do you know what i mean like Guerrero thinks they're doing something that they're not and then they're kind of stuttering going "Ah, oh, oh, should i be here shouldn't i be there they do find their groove and the match does get good. And, you know, the Judas effect from the top, right? uh, Cool. The after match, which I will let Steph get into, because I know she's bloody excited. is also great. Um, It was just like, you know, I was really pumped for the match. And then, you know, the first couple of spots just didn't work out for him. And it was a bit like, oof.
1: Well, so I watched uh, every single match televised match. They had in WCW together uh, this week in preparation for this. Um,
0: Wow. That's
1: yeah, a lot. <laughs> I, did a, I did a podcast where I went through it all like up on my feed. So anyway, if you if you guys are, are now totally in love with Hoovie and Jericho, you can go listen to that. But the first minute or two, who's gonna Hoovie because this is Hoovie <laughs> was doing this in, in 97, 98, you know, being a, a little bit unreliable with, with some of the spots, you know. Mm. Um but they did find their groove, and I I just think that. I don't know why he was wearing his mask though, because like of all the people to keep your mask on while fighting, like please not the guy that took it off you. But anyway, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they are in the same page over that, you know, too. Because when he was entering, like I, I don't like I don't know what Dario was looking at, but it looked like he was looking at him like mask though really. Yeah, <laughs> and then he really tried like... to take it off
2: as well. Yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. he was like peeling at it, and I, and I thought the commentary might have said something like, do you know what I mean to yeah. reference. I was like,
1: oh, I think okay. the um, the the kind of main criticism I I would give this is, and this is from someone who did a podcast about their whole feud. Uh, if you're gonna bring Hoovy in, I think that they could have dressed it up a bit more with their history. Obviously, they can't show WCW footage, but more of yeah. an a proper explainer of their history, like literally. I'm not saying have me on to recite my whole podcast, but I mean <laughs> something like that would have been helpful contextually. Um yeah. and then maybe some. If they had like gimmicked the, around it a little bit more, you'd like because you know we had painmaker Jericho for Nick Gage, so I was wondering if he was gonna like dig out a Lionheart jacket for this or something like that that would have you know made it that kind of brought us back to that time or even put a mic tonight on commentary or something like that to give us a real you know feel. But the ending was so great that that the ending wiped away the first minute because that spinning top of Judas effect was. So, so cool. And it reminded me about um, their first match that they had in WCW. Um, Jericho pulls out an amazing, like, top rope, super, uh, super Frankensteiner. It was Mm. so cool. And then all these years later, he, like, pulls out this great, like, super Judas effect. Um, Awesome. But, yeah, the next waiver is Wardlow. And I'm so happy about this because... (laughs) You know, I wanted it to be Wardlow from the beginning. I wanted Wardlow to be one of the labors because um, this is one of my dream matches. And then we had Nick Gage. And then I think that once we got Juvia and I, it's like everyone thought that we were then going back in time. So the next one would be Lance Storm. I never bought that it would be Lance Storm. And then I heard Lance Storm say with Brian Alvarez. I don't know why everyone all of a sudden thinks it's a time travel thing when the one before was Nick Gage. But anyway, I'm yeah, like, yeah Lance. I, like I don't get that either. I thought it like... I was just still really holding out for it to be Wardlow. And I am so happy it's Wardlow. I saw some people say on Twitter that this is uh, an anti-climax. Like, it's not. I don't think
2: that's Who? Who said this? I need to know. I refute
1: <laughs> that take. But there's some people that were like, Wardlow, that's underwhelming when you've just done Nick Gage and who Tugara. But this is great for Wardlow because you're putting him above, firstly, like Sean Spears, but then you're putting him above King of the Death match, Nick Gage. And then you're putting him above someone from um, Jericho's past that he had this great rivalry with that we had the extra top rope stipulation. So you could not be positioning Wardlow better. So I think it's awesome that he's the final labor. I think they're going to have a great match together. Ever since MJF turned... Like they have teased Wardlow and Jericho so, so much. If anything, when there's big brawls and stuff, Jericho hooks up with Wardlow more than he, he does. MT. He does. He really yeah. does. And this is the match <laughs> I want. I could not be more blatantly wanting this match. I'm pretty sure I even in the last interview I did with Jericho, just literally be like, are you going to fight Wardlow now? <laughs> so right, okay. I, I could not be more wanting of this match. I'm so happy. I'm really, really glad.
2: Let me ask you this. Um, hmm. presumably, presumably, we are going to get Jericho and MJF at the end of this all out Um, so that would mean Jericho beats Wardlow we've seen that MJF gets very very unhappy with those who do lose to Jericho is this the beginning of the end Steph is it
1: yes this is the beginning of the path that leads us to all elite Wardlow where Wardlow (laughs) is the guy I think that Wardlow is going to lose but I think he's gonna lose in a way that he's protected. I don't know how they'll do it. Maybe um, because MJF's gonna be at ringside. MJF goes to hit Jericho with a chair or something, and Jericho ducks, and Wardlow gets it, and then Wardlow actually ends up being pinned. But MJF can still blame him for you know not kicking out and for taking the loss. So then I hope that this is the start of their breakup because then MJF you know he'll have his match with Jericho, and once that feud's over. I hope we get Wardlow and feud and Wardlow just becomes this huge superstar. And by the end of the year, everyone's like, CM who? Brian who? We've got <laughs> Wardlow. Like, he's the guy. And just, it's so all all day, all Wardlow.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know me. I'm on board the Wardlow train. You haven't got to convince me. And speaking of which, I am all aboard this next train. Because I said this on Twitter earlier today. Uh, the idea... And I know it's probably a one-off, but the idea of a Sting, Moxley, Allen, Kingston stable is like the greatest thing in the world to me. I'm imagining all the segments, the matches would be amazing. Here they were taking on the former Everise, now 2.0, and Daniel Garcia. uh, 2.0, by the way, I thought did amazingly well uh, in this match. I thought the um, Darby Allen spit, uh, suicider to the outside was amazing with the whole, you're um, I Yeah, the, the match had a lot of great spots. Eddie Kingston as well, doing what Eddie Kingston does. He, he's, you know, very... I've said this in a babyface role. I find him very emotive when he's um, kind of selling the beat down from the heels, even though he's a big man. I think he does it very well. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved everything about this. And I. you know what? I like the synergy, Steph, is because... Um, And I think Moxley said this in an interview with me once upon a time that like he wanted to have a real tag team run at one point. And Darby Allen was like the first guy he wanted to do that with. And then obviously Eddie Kingston arrived in AW and now we've seen that happen. It just felt like the meeting of two worlds. You know, like when you're a friend and you have two good friends and you make them meet and you're all friends. That's what it felt like
1: with Sting. (laughs) This is so much fun and isn't it just really cool though to throw out like a pairing that you've not seen before in, in putting Moxie and Kingston with Darby Allen, just like putting the cool kids together and bringing them out. It's really really yeah, fun. Um, I think Garcia looked really really good in this match. I think he's one to keep your eye on but yeah these guys looked great together. The Sting spots, I will never get over Sting being in this company and how great it is and And just, you know, the person he is, he's just this happy, like, proud dad figure. It's just... He adds so much,
2: doing very little.
1: Just him just walking out. Like, every dynamite he walks out on, it's like I'm pinching myself. Like, (laughs) Sting is here. It's so, so good. But, yeah, this was really great. Super fun. Um, I think we got... We saw some new talent look really good here. And then the top guys team up, so you can't fault this match at all.
2: Next up, uh, Christian Cage uh, would defeat uh, The Blade, which we would then learn um, would move him in, basically, to title contention. We learned this later on the show. He's now the number one contender. We saw The Blade beat him up last week, so this is what that was all about. And Layla Hirsch coming down, and it was quite nice, you know, getting rid of the bunny and... uh, tying in again for something that was later on in the show um you're happy about christian cage being number one contender it feels like as far as you know kind of like milestone matches and keeping kenny ticking until they really want him to drop it it works for me i think the match will be
1: good um i think it should be a tv match and it looks like it might be a pay-per-view match that's my only problem however i i don't think when it comes to all out that they Big match on that card is going to be a Kenny Omega title defense. Like, I don't think that that is going to be the marquee match. But then that leaves you with another problem because this is the second pay per view in a row where Kenny's, you know, world title match hasn't been a big match. Like, just ticking over. So, yeah, it's been ticking over for a very long time. But yeah, Um, yeah, Christian, you know how I feel about Christian. I'm not interested, but good for him being a number one. He's not going to win
2: the title. It's fine. No, <laughs> he's bad. not. But I, I do. I, I am intrigued to see him in Omega work at least. Right. Like I'm not going to be on his in my seat like Christian could win, but I'm no. just certain, certain that those two will put on a great match. And, you know, that's cool for me. That's cool. Uh, moving forward here, we did get the uh, backstage basketball Easter egg laden promo <laughs> um, by the elite. And I mean, it would take me ages to go through all of the Easter eggs that are in there. They're spinning yeah. the basketball. They get to 2012. A lot of people were linking that with different dates, uh, you know, particularly Carl Anderson in the G1. Um, if that means anything. Kenny Omega's wearing a Cookie Monster T-shirt. CM Punk has often joked. That's what the CM means in CM yeah. Punk. Uh, I think Gallows has got a flare robe on. Yeah. Uh, Anderson's got a Bollywood boys t-shirt on uh, there. Like they break the net. Uh, there is a lot going on here. Uh, but in amongst everything that they were saying, Steph, it was obviously, you know, digging at hangman page, which also earlier in the show had said to the dark order, no, we're not going to, you know, I don't need you or, you know, we should have some distance. I have cost you the tag team titles. And also the young Bucks said, who's next? So I'm asking you, Steph, who is next for the Young Bucks and the tag
1: titles? Next, I think, wild prediction, is Hangman Page and a partner of his choosing. Ooh, I think that's that would Yeah.
2: Okay. Who do you think he would choose, though? Is it going to be one of the surprise debutants or not?
1: Yes. Yes. I think he'll choose one of the surprise debutants. Maybe, I think Brian probably works in the role better. Um, But, yeah, I I think that that's what they're going to do. I think because they're not doing the Hangman-Kenny match, um, I think that Kenny's going to just be like, I can't even be bothered with you. And in order to continue him, like, feuding with the elite, the Young Bucks will kind of take over, berating Hangman. And he'll say that he'll bring a partner. Maybe he'll try with um, Frankie Kazarian first. But I think, especially if they do at the pay-per-view, his partner is going to be someone big.
2: Mm, that gets me excited, Steph. Um, mm-hmm. Just just to keep it going here, I know this is not uh, chronologically at this moment, but they do end up doing an in-ring segment yeah. as well with Hangman and the Elite. Uh, again, it's it, Hangman says basically he wants to speak to the Bucks. Kenny interjects and was like, oh, you're trying to get back in the Elite now, are you, Hangman? Um, and he's like, well, no. But uh, Kenny obviously points out all of his faults before they end up. Well, Hangman attacks Kenny and then they just beat down hangman in the worst way before. Frankie Kazarian tries to make the save. He does not make the save. Uh, So there you have it. Uh, I I did enjoy um, Nakazawa chucking the basketball uh, at Kazarian on the outside. He caught him flushing the ribs. I I found it very funny. Um, But uh, overall, I I think, again, you know, speaking of ticking along, this story, I am so, so here for the Adam Page story. Uh, I've really been enjoying it. Ah, it's, it's just, um, I, I was ready to see him win the world title, but I'm also open-minded to let this continue.
0: I
1: wasn't ready until they started it. There you go. But a lot has happened, but also he's got a lot going on like uh, as well. His baby is due around that time, and I think that's uh, an issue that is, I think that's the main issue, honestly. It's not that he's being pushed down the card for CM Punk or whoever. I think that it's not the right time for him um, to to win the title and make that commitment to being world champion. And I think it'll happen at I always wanted it to happen at Revolution and maybe it will happen then or if not full gear beforehand.
2: Yeah, I I, I would um pour cold water on those claims that oh AW backing out of that because X and X are gonna be joining the company no. and yeah, you know, I still bl- firmly believe that Hangman Page is their guy, and he will be getting made. Um, it's just a matter of time. Uh, moving forward from there, we had Britt Baker accept Red Velvet's challenge. Uh, she was out there, nice. cutting, cutting a wonderful promo as usual. Um, Red Velvet challenged her. I love the way Britt Baker was like, "I literally beat you in three minutes last time we met." Because, like, if you were, and I, I saw people go like, "Oh, you know, it makes her look weak," but let's be let's be real. If you were a boxer or a ufc fighter or you know anything else and you knock someone out in the first round if there's a rematch at the press conference what are you going to say i knocked your ass out last time that that the whole idea is it's meant to like galvanize red velvet motivate her and she proves a point it adds another layer and um you know even you can equate it to a football match you spank someone 3 or 4 nil the next time you meet what's everyone talking about the last time they met so uh, i i actually love the line i thought it added a lot um and they're going to meet at Rampage, Steph.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because they're going to meet in Pittsburgh where Britt's going to be an even bigger babyface than before. Yeah. So it's a really difficult position to put Red Velvet in, who... Continually is put in difficult positions considering I mean, she was Jade Cargill's first um opponent. Yeah. So I would have gone for the especially for the Pittsburgh match with like a really strong heel instead of a baby face because Red Velvet's great. Don't think she's going to get cheered though in this match, but it was nice to see her make a return to dynamite at least.
2: Speaking of which, so did Jade Cargill in a backstage yeah. um, promo. They sold that she hasn't been on TV for a while because they've been off doing things in Hollywood and increasing the brand. And now Jade Cargill is going to return to action on Elevation next week. Uh, I actually think that's fine because Jade Cargill is not going to be beaten anytime soon. If you have her on TV week beating everyone, she'll be the number one contender before you know it. And the time isn't right for that just yet. So I think it's fine. Uh, I've said this before and I'll say it again. She is going to have like a Brock Lesnar-esque push. She'll be the champion inside the next year, maybe even nine, six months. I'm telling you, yeah. she will. Um, and she's got everything about her. There's no reason to think she, she wouldn't be, Steph.
1: Yeah, I just love that they put pre- this after they just showed Camille. <laughs> and I, yes. I want to see Camille and Jade Cargill, but that's it. I want to see that match.
2: Yeah, well, that brings us to what you just said. Um, we had... Uh, Layla Hirsch and the Bunny vying for an opportunity. I've skipped a few matches here, but don't worry, guys. We went all over the place anyway with the promos um, for that NWA title match against Camille Brickhouse. Um, so Layla Hirsch gets the victory in what was a decent match. And what I found interesting, obviously, at the end was the visual of Layla <laughs> Hirsch and Camille, who like there is literally like a foot and a half maybe between them, like a foot and a bit. Oh god, that's a differential. Um very interested to see how they'll work that match.
1: Yeah, that match is gonna be very interesting. The visual was great, and it made me just want Camille in, in AEW because just her her look alone, that is that is attention grabbing, you know, for that division. NWA mm. very lucky to have uh, Camille.
2: There you go, Steph. Not All bad messages, my friend. There you have it. <laughs> Finally, the cutest moment in all of infotainment is back. Hey, that was my best rock impression for you. That wasn't the rock at all. Uh, We've also had the TNT title, Miro and Lee Johnson. I thought Lee Johnson, Shoddy Lee, had a good performance. Uh, Mm -hmm. A a nice show out here. He was given uh, plenty without too much because Miro still looks super strong. And, yeah, the the masker kick is still amazing when people are like in motion getting hit with that. Uh, I, I thought it was a really good showcase for all Miro continues to do great. Lee Johnson gets the exposure. I'd call that a win-win.
1: Absolutely. Miro is the most exciting champion anywhere to watch right now in his matches. Um, I think that Lee, really good showing for Lee Johnson. The, he's, it made sense for him to get some offense in. I know some people wanted a Miro squash, but he deserves to get some, something because he's someone that we have been seeing built up. And if him winning matches on dark and, you know, training with Dusty, D- Dustin Rhodes doesn't let him, you know, at least get, get some good shots in on Miro, then there's no point. So I thought that was great. And um, yeah, is just awesome. Just so awesome.
2: His intensity dialed up. is just awesome to watch. It's what he always could have and should have been. Um, yeah. I am richly enjoying him as God's favourite champion. Uh, I honestly think it's firing on all cylinders right now. I I don't see anyone taking it off him anytime soon, which is great. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it was good for Lee Johnson to get that nice uh, showcase spot as well. The the thing I'm looking at Miro is like there's a, you know, we obviously talk about the underbelly of guys in AEW so much who are coming up like your Hangman Page, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Like Miro Mm -hmm. is in that mix where he's like you know he's unbeaten kind of this on uns- and singles competition it's kind of like yeah. this unstoppable force who will be sooner rather than later in that world title picture uh basically once he drops the TNT title he's pretty much there um I, and i don't think many people are thinking about that right now but it'll be great when he's there for for my money
1: oh yeah he he'll be great uh imagine him up against a hangman page
3: you know like so Ooh. so
1: opposite that would be such great heat <laughs> really great.
2: Yeah. perfect foils for each other uh let's talk about the last segment on the show which of course was malachi black's in-ring debut for AEW, taken on cody Rhodes, who is so often the first foil for people coming into the company but on this occasion he was virtually squashed like a bug it was quick <laughs> Uh, Malachi Black got the decisive victory. Like, not only did he win via his, uh, I want to say, is Black Mask now called the Sin Eater? Somebody told me this earlier. The Sin Eater, apparently. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but he, he, he nailed him with it. And just the foot for the cover. I loved how JR was like, that won't get it done. It did get it done. Cody was absolutely cream-crackered. Um, and I just thought it was great where... It was all about Alistair Black. The whole match, basically. The entrance was amazing. Malachi Black, sorry. The entrance was amazing. He had a decisive victory over Cody. No qualms. No uh, which way about it. It it was black and white, clear as day, victory. The other thing on that was... Okay, let me get this out to begin with. I don't buy that Cody Rhodes is retired in any stretch of the imagination. Um, But... I liked how Cody had his heartfelt, emotional moment, but it didn't detract from Alistair Black because he then made it all about him again at the end, which I loved. Uh, Alistair Black is the guy who walks away with all the heat, all of the attention. Steph, what did you make of this presentation of Malachi Black and what Cody Rhodes had to say?
1: Firstly, on the Malachi Black presentation and performance, I would give him an A star if he would just take the makeup off. Um, everything else is Just please, you know, he's got, a, he's got a full Urban Decay palette on his face and he doesn't need it. Um, he is like, he looked, other than that, he looked really cool. And if he's going to be, um, you know, a, the dark, goth, satanic kickboxer guy, I heard someone describe him as goth Steve Blackman or something like that. That's awesome. I'm so down with that.
2: Goth um, Steve Blackman. That's so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but the match great you know what a great way for for black to have his debut match I and mean, he's really over with the crowd as well so you can't fault him at all the ending i don't know if it was if Co- if if Cody was having a self aware genius moment or if he was just being Cody because this <laughs> speech that he was doing like it had all his kind of usual tropes of just kind of just being too emotional like the kind of thing that has you know turned people off and being a bit too much and then like even a a wwe comment which you know never turns me off but does turn some people off so it had all his like usual trope things and then him going like overreacting you know he lost a match and like guys i think i'm done
2: (laughs) that's it that's (laughs) that's it. it
1: Which I thought while watching it, because I did think that this he would ret- tease his retirement at the end of that this match. I I thought that was coming, even from the way he was in the AW conference call. I thought he was. Yeah. I thought he was absolutely doing this, and we know that the Go Big show is coming. I think he's gonna be. I don't think he's retired. I think he's gonna be off for longer than before. I think he'll come back in December the next time they're in Daly's place. Um, and but I just loved it. I'm watching it, being like. Oh, like this is too much for me. Like, please stop. <laughs> and then Malachi Black just hits him with the crutch, and it was hilarious, but great as well. I I want Malachi Black. All he needs to do now is do a kind of sit down or something to explain exactly why he has this problem with Cody. And I think the best, most self aware way for Cody for to do this, as far as for Cody's character, is for Malachi Black to be like. Uh, I was at home watching Cody when he was doing that Anthony agogo promo and all this other stuff and just being like, someone needs to take this guy out. Like he's too, it's <laughs> too much. and like, That's the why worst. he's here. You know, that's why he's here. Uh, so I thoroughly enjoyed it. and But yeah, I think Cody's going to go away. And prediction now, he's going to come back uh, with black hair and he's going to be mm. healed when he comes back. Ew. Yeah.
2: Mm. I think he'll
1: heal Cody. I think he'll call on all his acting to be like Malachi Black, <laughs> me to the dark side, and we're going to get heal Cody. And by that time, Malachi Black will probably be a huge baby. Face, probably, baby. yeah, yeah, baby.
2: Um, it, yeah. It's just I, I do think Cody kind of needs a fresh coat of paint in a way. I don't think it will harm him going away to do this go big no. show. Um, I am a self-professed Cody fan but even I have found the last few months difficult, Me too. right? Like um, difficult to really get invested and enjoy or to make sense of the, yeah. the the tip of the iceberg was the promo you just mentioned where everyone is like, what the actual hell was that? Um, yeah. it. I, I, it's a shame. I feel like I've made this point before, but like around the Wardlow cage match, He's not just the biggest baby face in AW. He's like literally the biggest baby face in wrestling. And then I still don't understand why they did the terrible title stipulation they did. I would have made Cody the champion even for a little bit, even if you went it back to Jericho, right? At A couple of months later or whatever. Jericho, uh, Cody was the hot hand. I understand maybe the theory where, okay, he's going to, be out of the title picture because he can then do what he's done, make all these guys. And he did successfully to a degree, right? MJF, Brody Lee, and now Malachi Black and some others. But uh, I, I still think in retrospect, that wasn't the greatest shout. Um, but
1: I think he did. I think that he was trying to prove that he didn't need to be in the title picture. Mm. Um, and I think it was a mistake because my as much as I do I am a Cody fan, he has felt disconnected from everything else in, in AEW for way too long. Like he's literally had a Cody verse. So I think that's problem. Uh he's not as integrated into the full scope of of the roster as he could be because you know, like a ranking doesn't matter to a Cody, all of this, you know, because he can't be the champion. So we got
2: and Harper, what are you doing?
1: you huh? sweets,
2: Harper. You want to say hello to Steph? Hello. Hi. They can't see you, Harper. You have to come here and wave. Oh, jeez. The bigger one. Oh. Ah oh my god, and we their are everywhere. Exactly. They'll go again. Say hello. Hello. There you go. Oh, like they're
0: everywhere. Look
2: at you, Dungaree girls. All right, mummy's not happy about the sweets, which may or may not have been my fault. Yeah, <laughs> We have to wrap it up now anyway. We have gone over. But... Nonetheless... Oh, thank you so much. Do hey, you want me to open this for you? Yes, you do. Hey! Chaos in the McCarthy household. Uh What was I even saying about Cody? Yeah, I still think you had to go with a hot hand, and they didn't. But there you go. Nonetheless, thank you so much for joining us today on Wrestling Daily. We'll be back... Tomorrow, still not sure if it's Sean Rossap or Louis Dangor. What a surprise. You're gonna find out tomorrow. Um, Steph will be back here with me next Thursday. Yes, you will. This is a yes. regular thing. We don't this is not a one-off of me and Steph. This happens weekly, believe it or not. Um, thank you so much, for everyone who's joined. Thank you for joining Wrestling Daily. Bye bye.